0: Welcome to the Awake Church podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. Part of what I want to share today is just a little bit of an insight, help, hopefully, in that we would recognize, I don't like to talk about the devil much, but we are still supposed to recognize the ways that he works so that we don't succumb to those ways, so that they don't affect us, so that we don't invite those ways, and we certainly don't partner with those ways. So that's, I want to talk a little bit about that today, uh, is a bit of a heads up and um, an awareness, I would say. All right. All right. It's interesting that though Jesus defeated the enemy, we've just been singing about it. I love singing about that. And the Lord made it says an open display of him when Jesus defeated him. But we have to apply to our lives the victory that Jesus did, right? The, The victory that he made, the victory that he has we then, by faith, apply it to our lives. Applying the blood of Jesus to our lives, asking for forgiveness. We're not just automatically forgiven. We need to ask for it, right? So we apply those things. And it's interesting, though the Lord has done, the way that he has done things requires us to have faith, requires us to have action. Um, And he hasn't just, though he was victorious over the enemy, The enemy still is rampant. He still is moving around. He's still kicking. He's still doing what he does. But God has given us victory over him. So he doesn't have victory over us. We have victory over him. But that, again, takes, we have a part to play in that. It's not just an automatic thing. We have to, when he comes at us or where there's darkness, we are there. In fact, we've been called, placed on the earth, in the image of God, filled with the Spirit of God, to be the light of the world and to displace the enemy. Where there's darkness, to go there and be light, to change things, not just let things be as they are, where the dark gets darker and darker, but we've been called, it says in Daniel, to shine, to shine brightly, especially in the last days, it says that. Uh, I used to work for the government. Some of you know that. I used to work for the CIA, actually. Did that for five and a half years And um, this is no secret, but how intelligence agencies work around the world, not just the CIA, but every intelligence agency that every nation, every nation has them, is they are trying to find a person on the inside of another government or another place that they can use to get information or use them to sabotage something, right? That's just how it works. And some of those are honestly used for good in some cases. I mean, there's inside information that needs to be known of the plans of the enemy, right? But this is how intelligence agencies work. They're always looking for an inside person that they can buy off or have a relationship with in some way to use them, and they can stay right where they are, hidden, and become like a double agent, right? Just to be, a, or an agent for them. So that is how This works. And you know what? I've realized the enemy works very similarly. Because Satan is only one being, one spiritual being that can be in one place at one time. But says in John that all the world is in his power. So how does he do that? Well, he has demons. But he has another enemy, an enemy of ours. He is an associate that's an enemy of ours that he uses everywhere an inside undercover associate to do the things that he inspires. That is how it works. And I want to talk about that inside agent today that the enemy uses. Um, and let me tell you some of the things that this inside entity does. He does what the enemy inspires him to do, which ends up being killing, stealing, destroying, accusing, causing fear, all of those kind of things. And he's responsible for hundreds of millions of deaths. I'm gonna say this, every rape that's ever happened and most divorces, most families that have been destroyed, Yes, the enemy's inspiration, but this thing has been the avenue through the vessel, through the vehicle, through what the enemy has used to cause all this problem. I mean, this is not a nice thing. This is, uh, really ends up being an evil thing, and it's old. It's been around a long time. It was in the garden with Adam and Eve. It was on the rooftop with David when he saw Bathsheba was in Judas when he took 30 coins in his hand to betray Jesus. It's, been, it's old, and it's in many, many places, everywhere, really. And it's not the kind of thing that though Jesus has given us victory over the devil, we cannot rebuke this thing like we can the devil. It's interesting. We can't rebuke it. We can't convert it. It cannot be saved. Isn't that interesting? It can't be saved. It cannot be redeemed. It's unredeemable. And this is, as you probably figured out, selfishness. Now, it doesn't sound evil, does it? I say that and it's like, yeah. Selfishness not a big deal. It's a big deal. It's a big, big deal. I'm going to explain you from the scriptures as to why here in a minute, but it is really responsible and it is what the devil uses to do his damage is the selfishness inside of people, Christians and non-Christians, Muslims or Christians or Buddhists or whatever, or new age, or it doesn't matter the religion. The enemy is always trying with his inside agent to use selfishness to cause, to wreak havoc in relationships, in marriages, to destroy marriages. Again, every rape, most divorces, it's because of selfishness. What the enemy uses, he's he's not powerful enough to do all this damage on his own. So he tries to use, he tries to use us. He tries to use the selfishness in us to do all this stuff. And, you know, one of the reasons why selfishness doesn't sound evil is because we're so familiar with it. You'd be so familiar with the things you want. The things you not just need, things you want to have now. It's how this works, though. We, we can be so familiar with something that it doesn't seem evil anymore. You know, uh, i talked to people who grew up in a certain way, in a certain manner in their household, and something that was so evil that they didn't recognize it because it was normal in their house. A dysfunction that is so dysfunctional, but it becomes normal. And what it becomes normal then can be just accepted and just, you know, You think this is just what it is. This is just how it works. None of us can can afford to be deceived by our familiarity with selfishness. All these beautiful babies that were just up here a moment ago, guess what? In about two to three years, they're going to be beautiful toddlers. Still amazing. You look at them, and their joy, and their discovery, and all those things, but there's something else that comes out. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. Even if you've never had children, you've been in a grocery store, at Costco, and this one about this tall decides they want something. Right? And this beautiful little creature almost becomes like a possessed something when they want something now or they want candy and they want and the the motto of selfishness comes out it gets it's it gets exposed mine that's what the toddler says mine and they're willing as a toddler think about this to hit they, they will result to violence quickly they will hit, they will spit. One of my sons, out of selfishness, he saw his little brother nursing and he'd been the only one who would ever nurse. Those were, those were his. <laughs> and he had no interest in sharing, mom. And so I was, I was actually sitting in this rocking chair. We had this little rocker and there's little Seth lying on the floor, a baby, nursing. And here's Josiah, my oldest. And he did not like his little brother. He did not like him. And I saw him. I, was, I happened to be watching. He, did, he was not very good at this. Sneaky stuff. He just went over to him, went to his arm, and bit him as hard as he could. Just oh, Just bit him like, I want this kid out of this house because those are mine. I saw evil (laughs) erupt inside this little cute kid. That's selfishness. Now, I didn't teach him how to do that. He didn't watch that on TV. It was inside of him. And inside of you and inside of me from the day we're born all the way through. Guess what? We all get born with a selfish nature. And it starts coming out when you're a toddler. And if that thing isn't checked... If it's not dealt with, guess what? It gets really ugly because it just grows. It doesn't go away. You don't grow out of it. It gets, it can get bigger and bigger and bigger. That's one reason why God has given parents to help check selfishness inside of a person. Help them understand, no, that's not, no, you can't take everything from everybody. There are some people as adults, they never got taught that. They just keep taking. And you know what? What a toddler doesn't want to do most of the time, and again, every person's a little different, but this thing tends to work in various ways inside of all of them. And what they don't want to do ever or rarely is share. Right? It's not about giving. Selfish nature is not about giving. It's about taking, it's about mine. And doing whatever it takes to keep that thing. That's just how it works. And that thing will just grow inside of a person. And maybe, maybe it's latent for a while, but it comes out in certain areas. You know, when you get married, it can be, I want sex now. Before you get married, it can be that. And that can, be, can turn into rape. There are these things that just are drivers of selfishness. It wants what it wants when it wants it now, whether it's food or whatever it is. So it's interesting. God wants us to be fulfilled and satisfied, enjoy so many things, but not driven by our selfishness. Not driven by it. In other words, self control is one of the fruits of the spirit, right? So selfishness is to, supposed to have self. We're supposed to have self control over it. It's a controlled thing, and we can't redeem that selfishness. I can't save it. In fact, Jesus, well, before we get to there, James, the brother of Jesus, had an interesting insight into this. And again, if you don't believe what I'm saying is true about how evil this can be, let's read this. This is James chapter 4, verse 1. What is the source of quarrels? And you could, literally, that can mean wars. So from a person, a one-person level to a nation level, what's the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? It's not the source, your pleasures. Another word for that is selfishness. The things that you want, your pleasures, that wage war... In your members, inside of you, you lust and you don't have, so you commit murder. You want something, you can't have it, so you kill to get it. That is where this can go if it's not checked. You are envious and can't obtain, so you fight and quarrel. My goodness, I, I think of the fights, any of the fights that I've seen growing up. is usually over a girl. Two guys wanting the same girl, whatever that happens, there's a fight, especially if there's alcohol involved. They're going to, the fists just start flinging. You don't have because you do not ask, it says. You don't ask, excuse me, you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your own pleasures, on selfishness. So it's talking about, James is saying, selfishness here is the cause of quarrels and wars among you, within you. But I'm going to say it's also outside. It's what is happening in the war. You can look at history and read this. When I, when I look at history, most wars, the killing of think of think of this hundreds of millions of people, hundreds of millions of people have died because of man. We can name a handful of people: Stalin, Lenin, Hitler, Idi Amin, Mao. Selfishness on the inside of them, wanting more power, wanting more land. How about Putin? We we'll throw Putin in there right now, taking over Ukraine. Why? It's on the inside wanting more. I want, to, I want the old USSR back. I want to expand. So I'm going to take, who cares if people die? Who cares if they're a slaughter? Who cares of the cost of anyone else because I want. That's, that is what has happened through history. It's selfishness on the inside. You could call it many other things, but ultimately that's what it is. It's unchecked selfishness. It was in there them when they were little toddlers. And then they have made a way and found some way to keep doing this. Slavery was the same thing, came from selfishness. Half a million slaves purchased here in America, five million in Brazil. Why? The selfishness of people wanting others to do all the work for them so they don't have to, so that my riches grow, so that my wealth grows. I need them to do it. So, free labor. So it's selfishness. It's all at the core. It is what the enemy uses to enslave. It's what the enemy uses to kill. It's what the enemy uses to steal, kill, destroy is selfishness inside of a person. James says this as well. James has a lot to say about these things. He said, James 3.16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, jealousy, now I don't want to lose what I have at all, and selfish ambition, I want, I want, I want, whatever that is, where those exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. Every kind of evil is in there. It's not just a nicety. It's just not, oh, it's kind of a nice thing to take over the, another nation. It's an evil thing with selfish ambition. I can remember exactly where I was and the Lord was dealing with me about this very thing. I was sitting on an airplane in Uzbekistan <laughs> and reading this scripture and it's just the conviction of the Lord about selfish ambition inside of me. That he wanted me to crucify. He wanted me to bring to him, to get rid of. I need to get rid of it because it's a killer. It's, it's one of the reasons why uh, pastors or leaders have abused spiritually people in churches through control, it's through selfishness. Nearly every relationship that gets split apart it's through selfishness. Nearly every marriage that gets split apart is through selfishness. Because I want something, I'm not getting it, so let me try another partner. Now, there are a lot of other things that can play into that, but many times you boil it all down and there's selfishness at the core. There's selfishness at the root. I remember reading about... Count Nicholas Ludwig von Zinzendorf, the the Moravian bishop in Germany. These 300 refugees had traveled to his country. He gave them safe refuge on his land, and they're living there, refugees, running for their lives, having been persecuted for hundreds of years. And they're there in a safe place. But it didn't take long before something started, normal bickering, Problems within the congregation, within these this community of three hundred people, they start fighting over doctrine. They start bickering about this and that and the other and mine and Zinzendorf gets involved. He creates this agreement for the brethren, and it's basically taking biblical concepts of love and employing them. And then they had a prayer meeting a couple months later, and the Holy Spirit falls in this prayer meeting as they've chosen to love one another and agree that they're not going to fight and bicker, Holy Spirit falls and no one wants to leave. And it changed their entire community. From that moment on, they not only became people of prayer, but they became people looking for others that they could help. It wasn't about refugees surviving, it was about how can we bring the gospel to the rest of the world and be givers. And that's what happens when Jesus comes into our lives, The Holy Spirit comes into our lives. He wants to transform us from mine, mine, mine to those who want to give, give, give. How can I just freely you've received, freely give is what Jesus said. So this giving nature starts to happen on the inside of us. But at the same time, selfishness doesn't go away. It's not that nature that's redeemed. We only have one option. We have to crucify it. We have to deal with it. Here's what Jesus said, Luke 9, 23, if anyone, anyone, wants to come after me, so this is for anyone, but for everyone. If anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross, and he added this word, daily. If anyone wants to come after me, here's how you do it. You take up your cross, which he hadn't died yet, so there wasn't, I don't know that people understood, they were hearing this, what that meant at that moment. Though they had certainly seen and heard of the Romans crucifying people. I don't know if they knew exactly that this is what he was talking about. They would later. If anyone wants to follow me, you have to take up your cross daily. Pick this thing up every single day. Daily. Okay, there's Tuesday. Wednesday, it's every day. And follow me. what a picture carrying a cross and following him what does that mean Jesus is saying you must die to your selfishness every day and follow me it's not just come follow me it's die to yourself deny yourself and follow me because we can't accommodate our selfishness all the time and follow them at the same time they don't go together there is a daily something that Jesus has shown us to do and how to do it that keeps us free that really allows the holy spirit to move through us and we become givers rather than takers in mind mind we can then become givers and we're looking to give we're looking to give prophetic words we're looking to love people we're looking to help people we're looking to give money away we're looking 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 instead of looking to get looking to get. You can see a person who takes up their cross daily is a generous person with their life. Not just money, but with their life. Because that's how this works. That's what happens. Because God is the greatest giver. It's who he is. For God so loved the world that he gave. It's the nature of God inside of a transformed believer to want to give. And you guys are that way. You really are. It's amazing to watch, so I'm I'm talking to the choir here. And it's kind of like when we received Jesus, we said yes to him, and we said no to the demonic duo of the devil and our selfishness. But then there's a daily doing that. It's similar with marriage. When you get married on your wedding day, you stand up in front of other people and you say, I do. I do, I choose you over every other person. But guess what? That one time isn't enough. For a marriage to be healthy, to be whole, to be vibrant, internally, even if it's not verbally, there has to be I do to my wife only, and I don't for everyone else every day, every day of our marriage. That has to be in there. I'm choosing my wife over again, I'm choosing her over again, I'm choosing her, today I'm choosing her, tomorrow I'm choosing her, the next day I'm choosing her. It wasn't just back 26 years ago for me. It has to be every day. And Jesus is saying the same thing. I betrothed you to me. You're my wife. Choose me every day, deny yourself every single day. And if we don't, what happens is the enemy is always looking for a place. He's looking for some selfishness that's not denied, that's not crucified, so that he can land there, so that he can use it. He's looking for an inside agent to destroy your marriage, to destroy your life, to destroy your relationships, to leave your church. Whatever it is, he's looking for something that is not denied in there. That's just how he works. 1 Peter 4, 1 says, Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh... Arm yourselves also with the same purpose. Plan on suffering in the flesh. This is part of our Christian walk. When you receive Jesus, were you also armed with a mindset, I'm here to suffer. It's how we should be. Suffer in which way? Not through disease, sickness, not talking about that. Suffering says in the flesh, I'm not gonna let my flesh have everything it wants whenever it wants it just as Jesus didn't. So I'm gonna suffer with Jesus like he didn't allow his flesh to have its its way. I'm gonna do the same thing. I'm not gonna allow my flesh, my selfishness, another word for it, to have its way. So, excuse me, also the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for the lusts of men, but for the love of God. Excuse me, the will of God. I said the love of God, but for the will of God. So we are to do the same thing, you know, and our flesh, unfortunately, our selfishness, unfortunately, can't be redeemed. It comes to life every day. I'm sure you've all been at a birthday party with those candles on the cake. You light them, you're up there, you blow them all 50 how many out. Five seconds later, they all come back to light. It's frustrating. Someone put these dumb trick candles on there. And people think it's funny and I don't. (laughs) Blow them out again. Boom, they come back to life again. Frustrating when you kill something and yet it comes back to life. But guess what? That is really a picture of our selfish nature. Our flesh this is what Jesus says. I want you to be aware of this. This is a daily thing. You blow all the candles out. You kill that flesh. You deny yourself. You follow him in the next morning right off the bat. <laughs> there it is again. Wanting its own way all over again. Wanting to do what it wants to do all over again. So I have to, I'm, but I'm armed. I recognize this is going to happen. I have these trick candles for the rest of my life. Not just on my birthday, it's every day. Okay, so now that I know that, I'm just gonna get used to blowing them out. I'm just gonna choose, okay, this is what I have to do. I have to get rid of these things. But that is how, you know, and then God gives us the helper, the Holy Spirit, to help us do that, to help us do that. That's part of the fruit that he gives to us is this self-control, to do that, to deny ourselves. So we're not alone in it, but we still have to choose it. I'm not alone in my marriage, but I still need to choose my wife, and then the Holy Spirit helps me on the rest. I still have to choose to not let my flesh rule the day. The Holy Spirit will help me to do that and to live every day. Okay. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10 Paul says, always carrying about in the body, our physical bodies, our spiritual bodies, the whole of our body, the dying of Jesus. That's what an interesting statement. Always carrying about in our body the dying of Jesus, the denial of himself, so that the life of Jesus, it's not a miserable thing, but there's purpose with this denial so the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. As we deny ourselves, the power of God comes through us. As we deny ourselves, the love of God he's put in spread abroad inside of our hearts can come through us. That's a beautiful thing. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. It's the same theme over and over here that Jesus gave us. As I choose to die, guess what? Here's part of the promise. The life of Jesus will move through me and in me. It will happen, but it's difficult to not deny my flesh, allow it to do what it wants to do, and expect the power of Jesus to flow through me. doesn't work very well that way, and I've recognized that in my own life. Many times when I have recognized that I have, whether I feel depressed or down or self-pity or whatever's going on, I usually then, it's the Holy Spirit that reminds me, it's all about you, isn't it, Matt? And you have not died today. When you die to yourself, the life of Jesus comes in. I remember a a student when I was leading the school of ministry many years ago. He came to me one day, and he had a list of things he was unhappy about, sad about, upset with God about, and just kind of depressed. And I'd never thought of this before, but this thought just came to me by the Spirit. And I said, his name was Jonathan. I said, Jonathan, here's what I want you to do get out of my office and go to the mall. We were about 10 minutes from a mall. And I said, I want you to share your testimony or the gospel with three different people in the next two hours. And he, I, he looked at me like, oh, that is not what I want to do. This is not helpful. I came to you for help. And you're telling me to leave and go do something and give something. So he left, and he, in his mind, he said, he told me later, I wasn't going to do any of that. I was upset. He said, I was driving home and thought, man, maybe that is somehow God helping me. And I just asked him, so maybe I'll do that. So he went to the mall, ran into a person, shared the gospel with them. I think he had a prophetic word, got a conversation, go, led someone to the Lord. He then did that again talked to three people. I forgot, it was two or three people that he led to the Lord in this afternoon. He came back to me. I mean, grinning from ear to ear. Absolutely a different person. It's like a transformed man standing in front of me. Why? Because his self was ruling the day. And when he denied that and decided to give, Get his eye, eyes off of himself, off of his problems and everything going wrong and blah, 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 and getting it on, how can I help someone else or share the life that Jesus has given me?" all of a sudden he is now energized in a different person. It's a picture of what we've just been talking about. I saw that happen in his life. It was really fun to see, OK, Jesus, one more minute here. Both the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and the enemy want to work inside of us. God, because he can be anywhere at any time by the Spirit, wants to live in us. The enemy wants to, he can't live in us because he's just one being at one place. He got inside of Judas for a little bit. But he wants to, use selfishness on the side of us to get us to do his will. So we're doing one or the other will. So I can deny my selfishness. It gives the enemy no access to me. It's like Jesus said, the enemy's coming, but he's got nothing in me. He's got no selfishness in me he can use to do his work. He just had the Father in him. I and the Father are one, he was saying. And you and I can be the same. When we deny ourselves, we're inviting Jesus, have your way in me. Have your way in me. Do your work in me. Holy Spirit, live through me in a a powerful way today. Whatever that means. And I'm looking for ways to give. I'm looking for ways to share. Just like the, the Moravians that got completely rearranged and started looking to give and changing the world. That is what the Lord wants to do for each of us. And then, of course, because of the days we're living in, selfishness is heightened. Whether it's psychology or... The world system, or even in some ways, education, governments—they are putting your personal happiness as the highest thing in the world. So whatever makes you happy, do. That's like giving prime rib to selfishness, letting it just feast away, right? That is, and so it's empowering your selfishness to do whatever it wants, and so you get all kind of crazy, ridiculous. Things that have never been thought of before now becoming part of society, related to sexuality and so many things. It's feeding selfishness. Our happiness, doing what we want to do, is not the ultimate, right? We are here to fulfill the Lord's purpose in our lives. And in him is joy and happiness and peace and sound mind and purpose fulfilled, all those things. But... Speaking to this, Paul says to Timothy in chapter 2 Timothy 3, one, but realize this, this, in the last days, which I believe we are absolutely in, difficult times will come. What's the difficulty related to? For men will be lovers of self. Lovers of self. They're going to love themselves so much. They'll be lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, again, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And some of them will hold to a form of godliness, which is crazy, although they've denied its power. Selfishness is not a harmless traitor. It opens the door for all kind of crud. We see it in our world right now. All the more you and I get to die daily. We get to choose it so that the life of Jesus can flow through us. You know, when Jesus, right before he went to the cross, he was in the garden. And he shared a personal desire that was the opposite of the father's desire. Do you remember that? It's one of the more amazing things in the scriptures. Jesus said to his father in that prayer, Father, would you take this cup from me? In other words, the plan that you have for me to die here in a few moments would you take that from me? And then he said, for of the most beautiful words that have ever been spoken. Yet not I. Yet not what I want right now. Your will be done. So he's saying, I'm feeling this right now that I want to do this. But I put that aside for what you want. I deny myself so that Your purpose is done in me. And you and I can do the same thing every single day. I'd like to do some things, and there's some things that are okay to do. And there's a timing related to it, and there is supposed to be joy, and there's vacations, and there's fun, and all those things. But it shouldn't be the driver of our lives that inhibit us from following Jesus, or that hurt other people in any way, or that override the lives of others, especially our our spouses or those closest to us. We're not supposed to do that. So on a daily basis, we get to deny ourselves that his life comes through us. And I think just even today, recognizing when I feel my selfishness rising, I don't wanna see that as a harmless something. I wanna see that as a traitor that wants to align with the enemy and I'm not gonna allow my life. So I I deny that. Holy Spirit, help me. And I'm going to choose to give right now instead of get. I'm going to choose to love instead of lust. I'm going to choose to give love instead of get something right now. And as we do that, it does become easier. It's not always, but it does become easier because it becomes more of a habit. I am denying myself and I'm living for him. Excuse me. All right. Cool. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.